Captain's Log Supplemental. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Welcome to Humetahex. I'm full of sausage. Well, that ruined me. I was going to say I was Mary. <laughs> or Paul, rather. Oh. I'm Frank. I ha- uh. well, never- <laughs> I'm not going to get into my sausage. <laughs> I'm still Corey. I do the sausage filling. So you were supposed to say you were Peter. I was going to say I'm Paul, and I was hoping he was going to pick up and say he's oh, Mary. Yeah. Or Ringo. Yeah. Well, Peter wasn't a beetle, I don't yeah. think, but... <laughs> the elusive fifth beetle. You never know. I mean, somebody had to write all that music. Yeah. <laughs> only, there was only so much dope for those four. Yeah, but they weren't into that at the beginning. It's when they went to India and met the... Is it the Maharishi or someone that they got into all the... Theoretically got into all the drugs and whatnot. <laughs> <clears throat> All the acid and the Sergeant Peppers. Do you think they wrote their first album? Because they were kind of a boy band then. I think so. Lennon and McCartney were even well. They're pretty talented songwriters. So is Harrison. I mean, Ringo yeah. even wrote a few. <laughs> ever see the yeah. meme of the so Ringo have... writing the song, and the rest of them are like, "Oh, that's real nice, Ringo. We'll put it right here on the fridge." <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a Family Guy episode. Uh, (laughs) Don't mock the drummer. Yeah. Peace and love. Peace and love. Yeah, really, though. I think either way, my answer would have been John. Uh, Peter, Paul, and John. Your brother, Peter, was a beater or not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there we go. You want to kick us off, Frank? Welcome to Humetahex. I'm Frank. Oh, <laughs> good news, everyone. Maybe. Well, sort of. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not a whole lot happened, but I did find some articles on the internet, kicking off with the Crown Tundra, the new Pokemon DLC that's coming soon. They leaked the Pokemon that are going to be coming out into it, and here it is. We've got some Fossilmon, the original Fossilmon, the Kabuto, the Omnimite. We're getting Electabuzz, Jinx, uh, the Nidorans. Nice. So we'll have some more stuff to import. But they're also introducing, it seems like, just about all the legendaries. You can see here, we've got the legendary dogs, Ho-Oh and Lugia. We've got some legendary birds. We need to get him mm. a pointer. Yeah. Yeah. We've got the Regis and the Latias and the Ancients here. Uh, so it looks like we've got all the legendaries, except for Tornadus and Thunderous and them. They have not made an appearance here yet. But we also have all the Ultra Beasts showing up, too. So we're going to have a lot of interesting raid fodder yeah, once yeah. this comes into play. I'll have to see if I have any extra shiny legendaries that I won't be able to switch over because there won't be in Let's Go. there you go this isn't news per se but this is a rumor the next let's go is going to be diamond and pearl themed 
and we'll be able to import up to Gen 4. All the sneezles. Yes, all the sneezles. Um, Shiny sneezel. We'll, uh, we'll be able to obviously import a lot into let uh, into Sword and Shield and Let's Go and everything like that, but the theory here is that instead of having a Meltan box, we'll have a Fanfi box. Fanfi evolves into Manaphy, and it's the only, one of the only mythicals that really evolves. Yeah. So. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. So we'll be able to get that box in Pokemon Go then, and we'll be looking at a 400 candy evolution. News for Pokemon. I'm sure that's in the works. Yeah, I guess eventually a shiny, like they did Meltan. Yeah. Not that Meltan's active right now, but... Then we've got DC Promises Joker War will be the final chapter in the Batman Joker story. This so is going to kill Batman. <laughs> Again. So we don't know very many details on this other than we've got some cover arts and we've got some, uh, some brief snippets of what it's going to consist of. But... The Joker War starts in Batman number 95 on July 21st. Put it on your pull list or just wait for it to get collected. Because I'm sure it's DC and this is Joker. It'll get collected real quick. Yeah. Yeah, as soon as the runs end, the next month, hardback will be out. Yep. And we don't know how things are going to go with DC in the comic book stores right now anyway. Because a lot of comic book stores are dropping DC. So. Yeah, it's a shame that they're uh, pulling out a diamond. So the comic book stores have to go with two distributors, or one distributor and one direct purchase, I guess. Well, I think we're going to see more comic book companies following suit, especially with Disney owning Marvel. Right. And they own uh, the other one, too. IDW? Yeah, they own IDW. Star Wars, Marvel, I mean, they've got some pull now, so... Well, I think it's funny because now the comic shop owners kind of are getting a taste of what happened when they started doing direct sales with all these, you know, mom and pop stores that used to have the comic book spinners. You know, all of a sudden they're losing their comic book business to direct sales and comic book stores started having their their beginnings. So it's kind of not not that it's, you know, like, ooh, vengeance, you know, but... When did the direct sales start? Early 90s? Uh, no, early... Mid '80s. Okay. Yeah, I used to have. No, actually, early early '80s. The first direct sale books were um, Teen New Teen Titans and uh, Legion of Superheroes. DC did the Baxter books on the Baxter paper, and those were the I believe those were the first ones that were direct sales. Marvel, I want to say it was Moon Knight and Kazar were the first two that went direct sales only and not newsstand. It was a while ago. I could be wrong, but I remember it was Titans and uh, Legion because uh, for the first year, until uh, what they did was they put the first year of these books in direct sales and then reprinted them in the comics for newsstand a year later. And in the interim, um, those books, instead of not being sold at all, they had twelve issues of sort of supplementary comics to those that were building up to the stories that started in the Baxter issues. So the 
So if you were a Teen Titans fan back then, you were basically buying two Teen Titans comic books per month. Right, right. And then at the end of that year, you would have been caught up to what the Baxters started. So, I mean, it wasn't filler material, but it was kind of supplemental and a little off the main title stories. Huh. Because they didn't want to just stop sales because those are the two of their biggest books. Never knew that. Mm-hmm. I used to like the subscriptions. Yeah. You get the right out of the comic book. That's us. Check off which ones that you had. It's going through some of these older comics now that I've, for this episode of Humeta Hex, I've been seeing like the the ads and the things that you don't see nowadays. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's kind of, wow, I remember yeah, the that. subscription was nice. You didn't have to go anywhere. Uh-huh. You sent them a check or money order for that title for the year. Mm-hmm. Which is, and it was usually a pretty good discount off a newsstand price. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, obviously I grew up up in Connecticut, and there was this drugstore in Moosup. And I don't remember the name of the drugstore because, you know, as I got older, it got bought out and then turned into a Rite Aid, and, right. as they do. But I remember that you would go in there and then you'd go left, and there were just these rows of greeting cards and stuff. And then there's this room off to the right, and that room had all the comic books in it. And I remember it enough that it had to have existed when I was there. So that must have been some direct sales. Like, I always thought that it was just part of the drugstore, but it must have been some little outlet in the drugstore, or the drugstore itself was also a comic book shop. I don't know. Get your drugs and your comics. That's right. Two fixes for the price of one. Yay. Stop shopping. Uh, Disney news. They are trying to make Disney remake the original trilogy. Stupid idea. Uh, this is a full recast and refilm and everything. I have no real... I don't know what to say about it. Yeah, unless you're doing something to make it special. Yeah, (laughs) there's no reason to redo it. Yeah, at least to me. Yeah. Cash grab. I'm not interested in it. I'll still pay for it. The theory is that the prequels were a reboot to the series and they should have continued with the reboot. Now that those actors are a little older from the prequel trilogy, that they should be fulfilling those roles in the original trilogy. Oh, excuse me. Anakin as Darth Vader, etc. No. We didn't like well, Game of Thrones Season 8. We want to petition to redo the whole thing. Yeah. It wouldn't matter who wore Vader's suit. Yeah. yeah. In the original trilogy, it's just Vader voiced by James Earl Jones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hope this doesn't go anywhere, but we will see. Unless Disney wants us to push for it, and then we'll be willing to do so for a small fee. <laughs> <laughs> And we have a new Marvel cartoon series oh, called look, it's ham. Battle World. This is similar to Teen Titans Go. And Throg. <laughs> so, I mean, clearly Captain Marvel is going to fill the role of Stargirl. And Iron Man is going to fill the role of Cyborg. Um, I would assume Throg would be the equivalent of Beast Boy, maybe. Spider-Man would be the equivalent of Robin, and Groot would be the equivalent of, 
I, I, Raven? Raven? I, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but... It's not a one-on-one comparison, I guess. So I'm guessing Iron Man's <laughs> character would be more to that of Robin than yeah. Spider-Ham. Well, I don't know. Ms. Marvel... Or yeah, Ms. Marvel. Captain Marvel might be. I'm showing my age there. Because, I mean, they're really making a push for a dominant female Marvel hero to yeah. compete with Wonder Woman. She didn't spend eight years in college for you to call her Miss. Well, Ms. 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 That is how she was introduced. She was Ms. Marvel. Um, So we're already going to be getting a... Well, there's a picture of Ms. Marvel with uh, Infinity (laughs) Gauntlet. This show should be launching in the next couple weeks. And canceled right after. It will be on Disney XD. Oh, come on, Captain America. (laughs) (laughs) Crocodile Strange. Yeah, Crocodile Strange. Crocter, very. Crocter. Is that in there, or did you just make that up? No, no, it's, that's who they are. Oh, okay. I wasn't looking at the bottom there. Okay. Uh, they're from Ham's World. Ah. Uh, um, I forget if Ant Man was just Ant Man because he's an ant. Ant. Yes, that literal naming, I guess. Earth eighty three eleven, the Pet Avengers. Oh, pork grind's going to be in there. That's the venom. <laughs> Jeez. The Thor corpse. <clears throat> Core. <laughs> corpse would implies a dead body. Yeah. <laughs> Funny how they spell those. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if it's anything like Teen Titans Go, it should be pretty funny, and I would give it a try. Is it going to be on Disney Plus? It is not. It's going to be on Disney XD. Oh, boo. I'm sure once they start completing seasons, they'll throw it on Disney Plus. I better. <laughs> it's a good app. Needs shows like that. But other than that, and Corey, I hope you'll chime in on this. We've been playing around with the Pokemon DLC that came out. Oh, yes, the Isle of Armor. Yeah. Uh, I've There's a lot to do. You can find 150 dittos. Yeah. Or not dittos, diglets. Diglets, yeah, but don't bother after 100. <laughs> Which I've done already. I found all 150. Hit the 100, quit. Unless you just happen to stumble across one. But you get such a great prize for all 150. <laughs> Frank, because you're out of the loop on this, um, when you as you find Diglets, you can go to this guy who has all 151 Diglets. You find the first one to start the mission, and then you have to find the other 150. Uh, one of them is a Alolan Doug Trio. But you have to... As you find these Diglets, they go back to him, and he keeps track of them. Uh, 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, he gives you like a Lolan Raichu, Cantonian Slowpoke, because there's a Galarian Slowpoke. So he gives you Pokemon to fill your Pokedex that, from other regions. Lolan Marowak was a nice one. Yeah. Um, Sandshrew. I don't think he gives you Vulpix. I don't remember. No. Uh, when you get to 100, he gives you. You can choose a Fire, Grass, or. Fire, fire, grass, or water starter, just like you did in Pokemon Go, and based on that decision, he will give you the. That's at seventy-five. Yeah. Okay. What's at one hundred then? The uh, Alolan uh, Executor. Okay. Yeah. So he'll give you the starter based on the Alolan form. So if you chose the water starter, you get Poplio, which is a seal. If you chose fire, you get Litten, which is a fire cat. Yeah, he's chose... pretty cool. 
I like the grass one the most, Rowlet, which is a flying grass type. Yeah. But when you get all 150, you get the best Pokemon of all, Alolan Diglett. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> For all your hard work, here's uh, something that we probably should have put first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a touching little cutscene when you do get them, like... Because the Diglett's so happy that you cared so much about the other 150 Diglett. And Aww. you get one paragraph of text and then it's done. And then the Pokemon goes in your storage and you never look at it again. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, 210 Pokemon in the Pokedex. Almost done with that. <laughs> and the story itself revolves around a new... Is he mythical or legendary? I'm I think not... he's legendary. Okay. A new legendary Pokemon. His name is Cub Fu. He is the Kung Fu Bear Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Does he have snot coming out of his nose like a Cub he Chew does? He does not. He does not. That's a good thing. So he's a cute little guy. Yeah. Uh, Cub Fu is. When I first saw him, I'm like, eh, I could take him or leave him. Okay. But if you once you do the storyline with this guy for a little while. You kind of grow attached to him, because he the the whole storyline about not the whole thing about half the storyline revolves around you interacting with him, hmm. leveling him up, building up your relationship with him, and then he evolves right. into one of these two. How do you pronounce that, Corey? Ursa Urshifu. Yeah. Um, there's the Urshifu, I guess. Single strike form, and then there's the multi strike form. This is a fighting dark type, and this is a fighting water type. Oh, interesting. That's as far as I've gotten. I'm currently in the process of getting mine to be able to the, the Gigantamax. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Like, he gets snarly face, and it's light-up eyes and mouth. And, and then... And he turns white with black stripes. I don't know what happens after that in the story. Oh, after that, uh, you run back into Hop. Your original rival. And, well, he takes you on the journey to get the Max Honey so you can G-Max or Shifu. And then, I guess it's just doing the battling in the dojo, then. Yep, battle in the dojo. You got uh, type-specific fights. Win five in a row to complete it. You can only... uh, you can only heal your Pokemon twice, and it's teams of threes. The first one in fighting was actually pretty hard. After that, I kind of rolled through it, but good stuff. But that's all I've got for news. I don't know what you guys got, but... I really don't have much. I see stuff, and I really should start writing it down, because I don't think about it, since this is <laughs> kind of a new segment, and it's like I don't think about Oh, I should new say news. that. New news. Until you guys hear it, and then it's history. Yes, yes, that's right. I yeah. try to make sure that the stuff that I present is far enough down the road that people still have a chance to capitalize yeah, on it. Yeah, And review stuff. But... Right, right. <clears throat> but yeah, that uh, Isle of Armor has been uh, eating up a lot of my time. Mm-hmm. In more Pokemon news, I guess they had another one of those uh, Pokemon Presents, and they were talking about Pokemon Unite, and it seems to be getting quite a bit of negative from the fans. Mm-hmm. The, they feel that it's directly aimed towards the Asian market, and it's a cash grab. Yeah, they, no. were, they were expecting an announcement about what, the 
Let's Go, probably, right? Weren't they? Is that what they were thinking? Yes. Because the this Pokemon is what in I back was, of the presentation. I was seeing it with uh, Unite. It's mobile and can link with Go? Mm, no. It's MOBA. Oh. MOBA, which is Multi Online Battle Arena. Oh. And but it's not for mobile devices. You can play it on your phone or on yeah. your Switch, and you can transfer the account back and forth. Right. You can't so link they, it up to your games. So if it's linked to home at all, no, it won't be linked to home. Nah, yeah. no. uh, have you looked into how this game is played, Frank? Um, I glanced, but I didn't pay attention. So you choose a character. This character has preset moves and preset skills. And you can choose from a roster of what we know right now is 10 Pokemon. And those Pokemon have type advantages and disadvantages. And you have to complete specific tasks on the MOBA arena, which can be Capture the Flag or King of the Hill or etc. It's basically like a mm-hmm. real-time fighting game that's played overhead. It's not the Pokemon market. Mm. It's not what Pokemon players are into. That's all I had. <laughs> At least that's all I have that I could remember, Mr. Oh, C. mine was just the uh, Isle of Armor. <laughs> I was actually going to tell you about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen any uh, a lot of uh, comic book news. No, things have really dried up. Yeah. I, I only have one poll from last week. and I haven't gotten a new comic in three weeks. Yeah. There's been no Star Wars, because Star Wars is all that's on my pull list now. Yeah, mine's all Spider-Man. There's only been... Spider-Ham number five. Well, you know, if we can't talk about new comics, maybe we should talk about old comics. Hey, you know, there <laughs> it is. <laughs> Great segue, Frank. Thank you. I was really clever with that one. Before we go to your segue, does anybody have a superpower this week? Uh, to beat up people through plexiglass sheets? <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's legit. I, I, I can fully back that yeah. one. Uh, oh, wait, I think that's what... Uh, Riot, please have anyhow. Uh, Beat up people through plexiglass. I just want to put my hand through it like the vision, <laughs> and then solidify it around some people, <laughs> and shake them back around and forth their with throats. <laughs> no, I'm totally fine with that. That's a great superpower because right now that's very relevant. <sighs> but just plexiglass, get uh, new brick walls, no, nothing else, <laughs> no glass. Oh, no, that was real glass. I severed my arm. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Okay, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Humetahex. I'm Peter. I'm Frank. I'm still Corey, but uh, this whole Danny Elfman music and Darkman is kind of throwing me off. (laughs) (laughs) This week we are talking about... Our favorite comics. And this is probably going to be the first volume of an ongoing series, to be perfectly honest. But we're just going to let Frank talk for now. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Here we go again. He made me yeah. talk all last week. Yeah, don't listen to this while driving. Well, I've only got... <laughs> I've only got two. I don't mind if you got... I'll sit here and listen. So that way Frank doesn't have to worry about going first. The first one I have is a Halo comic. Marvel was doing the Halo comics for a period before Dark Horse took over. And this is the first one in the Fall of Reach trilogy. And it's Boot Camp. And this comic is literally about Dr. Halsey, a female doctor, 
who goes around the further term lady doctors who goes around the galaxy and abducts children lady doctors are gynecologists <laughs> goes you go on yeah <laughs> goes around abducts children as doctors do and then starts performing Spartan experiments on them which involves them learning military tactics and going through genetic modifications to make them stronger um, stronger, more durable faster, better, everything we can rebuild them <laughs> this introduces the major Spartans of the story Spartan Sam, Spartan John, and Spartan Kelly John is Master Chief the main character, like when you think Halo that's John oh yeah and it goes through how he dealt with the injection therapy and how he survives and becomes the leader of all the other Spartans. And it go this comic ends... This is a comic book of a novel. So there is a full-blown novel for this, and I think I've talked about it before. It goes into how he deals with it and how he can makes everybody else fall in line. Through but, sheer force and brutality. Well, I mean, at 11 years old, his hand-picked Spartan team destroys and kills, or captures and kills a leader of a rebellion that a entire platoon of spaceships could not take out. Oh, nice. Him and four others. Huh. And one of them took bullet damage. <laughs> no deaths. At 11 years old, he is taller than his commanding officer. A full-grown Spartan stands at over 8 feet tall. Because of the genetic therapy. Right. But this is just the first one of a trilogy of them, and it's just an amazing story. And uh, when you read it, even if you're not familiar with the Halo lore, you pick up the practicality of the spaceship engineering that they use in the Halo universe... And just the the depth of the world that they've built. And then my other one is, of course, Planet Hulk. Because <laughs> Planet Hulk. Because Hulk smash. I don't need to go in this one. I'm sure you guys have both read Planet Hulk. I have I've not read You've it. You've never read Planet Hulk? No. I've seen the movie. You should read Planet Hulk. We will later. <laughs> I'm not going to go into it because it's incredible. But... It basically makes you realize that Reed Richards is a fucktard. Yeah. The Illuminati are a bunch of dicks. Yeah. And I have no idea why they started um, making Reed be an idiot. You know, he's self-absorbed into his work, yes, but I don't know. I guess they need someone who, you know, a smart guy making the wrong decisions. But, oh well. He basically blasts. There's a great line at the end of the comic book, which I'm going to pull out and actually reiterate it. But it, it it's supposed to be that Reed's justification. I got the special edition comic, of course. It's supposed to be the justification to why he did what he did. And he talks about there's a kid hacking into Reed's computer system and is scavenging all the data. And Reed says, the reason we did it is because you can look up uh, Hollyville, Stone Ridge, Jericho, and Las Vegas. And New York a couple times over. 
And the kid responds with, when the Hulk trashed New York, he'd been driven insane by that nightmare dude. When he hit Stone Ridge and Jericho, he and Banner had been separated by Doc Samson. And when he attacked Vegas, he'd just been blasted by some by a gamma bomb, bomb and harassed by your own teammates. And then, while you're talking about all the things he's done, what about the time he held up a mountain to keep you guys from dying, smashed an alien armada to save the White House, and blasted into outer space to save the whole planet to, by destroying the God's Eye satellite before you then brought him back on the, sh- the, pl- the ship that he was coming back from smashing the God's Eye satellite is when you guys shipped him out. So he saved the world... And to say thank you, you shipped them out. Hmm. And it's just, it's a different perspective on just the traditional Hulk smash. Like, right. the, it, it gives Hulk depth and character that, that no other Hulk comic ever did. It wasn't the Banner and Hulk are two different beings in that series. It was just incredible. It, it was a perfect mix of medieval fighting and space aliens. That's all. I and have. in the comic book, he battles Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer, right. and Silver Surfer then joins his cause. And the uh, animated film, it was Beta Ray Bill. Mm-hmm. That's all I have. You I have, have the n- Thor corpse. <laughs> <laughs> no more to bring to the table. Okay. Well, I guess I'll start, and then Corey can interrupt me eventually, and then oh, I'll finish. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, generally, I I approach this from the view of just classic runs in general with some of my favorite ones in there. I mean, you're always looking at these comics as what they consider classics, no in no particular order. Crisis on Infinite Earths, Watchmen, Sandman, X-Men Dark Phoenix. There's uh, been a lot of really good Sandman runs, though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get into that in a little oh. more depth, too, so i just let you know that ahead of time. Um, Amazing Spider-Man, The Death of Gwen Stacy. Mm. Um, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, when they took their road trip across America. Uh, Kingdom Come. Marvel's Secret Wars, the original Secret Wars. Um, V for Vendetta. There have been a lot of classic Batman runs or graphic novels to that matter. The Killing Joke, Hush, Long Halloween, Dark Knight Returns, and Swamp Thing. I mean, these are things that people, you know, when you say classics, you know, they think of these things. Got a couple more here. Um, sometimes with with these books, you get an, a writer who just hits it with the character. Um, you were talking about the frog Thor. Um, Walt Simonson's run on Thor, um, introducing Malaketh, well, making Malaketh a main villain with the cask of ancient winters. Uh, Thor got turned into a frog. Right. I do believe that's where Beta, Beta Ray Bill was introduced in that, too, in Simonson's run. So a lot of good stuff there. Plus, he was drawing it, too, and that's always a fun thing. Um, Peter David's run on the Hulk. I've talked about that before. Well, I was never a big Hulk fan, but I was following Peter David's stuff, and you know he had just the right mix of of things for that to make it a really good run last you know years for these runs i think hulk is a hard character to write for yeah because you can't always have him you know your hulk smash hulk being chased hulk smash hulk being chased right. you know you got to get a good supporting cast too with that yeah you know and he did that one of the most memorable 
issues of Peter David's run was uh, Rick Jones's Bachelor Party. <laughs> um, I won't spoil that one because it had a great surprise to it. But yeah, it Rick becomes abomination. No, no. <laughs> Rick Jones was getting married, and they had a bachelor party issue and a wedding issue. So, um, was the bachelor party issue rated A for adult? No, no. Okay, <laughs> but but it had an interesting twist to it. Straight from Tijuana. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a copy of that with me, though, unfortunately. I have a tote with a bunch of comics in here. Um, some of my favorite runs uh, were from the Avengers. We have uh, a bunch of things here. And since, you know, a podcast is such a visual medium, um, you know, we have uh, the Kree Scroll War. Did you just show the comic book to the microphone? Yes, I did. <laughs> Ain't that great? <laughs> Um, this was one uh, around, I think, Avengers, uh, maybe 100 or so, a little after Avengers, 97, I believe it was. Yes, Three Cows Shot Me Down from the Vision. Um, it brings back the plot point from a Fantastic Four when the four scrolls came to Earth. And they disguised the scrolls as cows at the end of it and hypnotized them, basically. Hmm. Uh, we had the Celestial Madonna story, Steve Englehart. That was with Kang and Immortus, and we have uh, Mantis marrying a tree and Vision and Scarlet Witch getting married. So that was another good one. The, the tree she married is a race called the Koltai, which I don't know if they ever signified that Groot was one of the Koltai, but it would be similar to that. Um, one of the stories when I first started getting into comics was the Korvax saga, Jim Shooter, George Perez... That was around uh, Avengers 170, rather. And it brought together the Avengers that time with the original Guardians of the Galaxy going after uh, Korvac, who was a mad god from the Guardians' time. So that was always a fun one. Yeah. Um, now this would be the Guardians that are teased in Guardians 2? Yes. Sylvester Stallone? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But it was an interesting story arc because it started off with Avengers just disappearing. Like we've got this one happy little cover here of uh, Yellow Jacket, Black Widow, and Hercules just disappearing. Um, they were all being taken slowly and quietly by the Collector to preserve them for the time ahead because he knew about Korvac. And so it, it just builds to a very interesting uh, storyline where most of the Avengers are dead. So, um, for those listening at home, these comic books that Frank has are the original comics and they are for 35 cents. Yes. <laughs> and absolutely amazing. Yes. Some single issue Avengers. So these were what, early 80s? Late no, 70s? These were, these were late 70s, yeah. Here we have. Um, Vision and Scarlet Witch getting married, Giant Size Avengers number four. Uh, Which Mantis. was 50 cents. The Giant Size issue yes. was 50 cents. <laughs> Mantis and the Coltai, who was taking the form of the swordsman, the hero who trained Hawkeye. Then I've got a couple other sorted ones here that I brought for Corey, because this was the 1977 Avengers Annual and Marvel 2-in-1, because the Avengers, the Thing, and Spider-Man fight Thanos... I figured Corey would want to read oh, Spider-Man nice. fighting Thanos yeah. from 1977. 
I was just a... Fetus? Yeah, well, no. Well, close. <laughs> 60 cents. 1977. King-size annual, 60 cents. Yep, and I have a king-sized annual from 1981 of the Avengers. It's 75 cents. Is that Beast? Yes. Wow. Beast, Beast was an Avenger back then. He was kind of doing double duty. I never knew Beast was an Avenger. Yes. Well, kind of like Wolverine does double duty now. Yeah, Beast... I knew Wolverine did double duty for a while. I think he became an Avenger in the... Like, after Avengers 150. Because that's when things started... Uh, building up to all this stuff and it, pro- it would have been at the time that the original X-Men were X-Factor no that was way later oh yeah so he was Jean, still... Jean was still alive at this point she hadn't died yet um well actually 1977 would have been um a couple of years maybe two years a year before giant sized all new all different X-Men oh okay um, cause that, when I first started collecting, I think they were at about issue 110 and it started back with 97 and it was bi-monthly for a while. I don't remember quite when it went monthly, but right around that time it did. Yeah. Things were just starting to pick up for the X-Men at that point. Oh, all right. Um, then we have King sized Avengers annual number 10. Uh, this is the one where Rogue steals Ms. Marvel's powers. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. is classic. Yeah. Mystique and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. and That's like a legacy comic. Like, there well, are events to this day. <laughs> um, I honestly think these are duplicates for most of these. Oh. Because they were all in one box for the most part, some of these. And they weren't in with the regular runs where they would have been, so... Mm-hmm. Because I would get certain ones I'd get doubles of. I'd probably have a bunch of that one, actually. I would look on the inside, see if it's not first edition. Oh, it would be. These, these would all have been bought newsstand. Wow. At that time. And there's an advertisement along the top of the comic. Yeah. Advertising a Columbia 10-speed Formula 10 racing bike. Yep. That's something I told these guys last week. how much? Week. That's a win. It's a Details contest. Details are inside. Oh. But just, just running through these, I've been reading through another comic, which I'll get to later, and just going through and seeing all the ads again, we're like, oh, wow. <laughs> you, know? you were talking about comic subscriptions, the subscription mm-hmm. pages and stuff like that. You know, Really interesting. Behold the deadly new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Yeah, this was basically an Avengers, not quite crossover with the X-Men, but they all got involved. <clears throat> and to think, like... The Brotherhood of Evil Mutants are just... They're just a thing now. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Well, this would be the second iteration of them. Yeah, more or less. I mean, it's not Magneto leading them. Yeah. So. I'm taking a picture of this one and yeah. posting it on our Discord. Uh, there are a couple other Avengers ones, too. Under Siege, which is the Masters of Evil taking over Avengers Mansion. Um, that was mm, somewhere in the mid-200s. Or late 200s. I don't quite remember. But that was another pretty good story arc. Jarvis got beaten to a pulp, unfortunately. But, uh... Quit butlering yourself. Quit yes. butlering yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody turned their ringtone off! 
<laughs> when that happens, you have to buy beer for all of us. I did. It's upstairs. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um, so now Peter has a decision to take that out or keep it in because I made it funny. Um, <laughs> I also have issue 200 of Justice League of America. Um, I'm not really sure why. Um, just because. It's just because. Yeah, I, I think it was the original members, the original seven were possessed by seven different aliens of the civilization because there's seven different type backgrounds of the on the cover and they were forced to fight the newer members but it's another you know all you know great artists doing this Jim Aparo, Terry Austin, Brian Bullen, Brett Breeding, Pat Broderick, Jerry Conway, Frankie Acola, Dick Giordano, Carmen Infantino, Gil Kane, Joe Kubert, George Perez Half these kids nowadays don't even know these names, but just classic art. Beautiful. Perez Perez is still active, isn't it? He has retired, but he still goes to conventions. Okay. Health issues, basically, at that point. Joe died. Why is there a red stripe at the top of it? That was the newsstand distribution. The color of the stripe was the week it was out. And you knew from the the stripe on the top, okay, this has been out a month, this has been out since whenever, and you knew when to pull them. Because the new issue was coming out. Okay. If I recall my lore correctly. So, yeah, lots of lots of different things. And they would just throw them away. No. They would rip off the covers, send the covers back for credit, and throw them out. Right. That's heartbreaking. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> but that's how the system worked back then. I'm pretty sure that worked with regular magazines, too. Right. right? That's still how right. it works with regular magazines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wild, yes, yeah. I've had a few comic books that were just, yeah, coverless. Yeah. yeah, I've got a bunch of real mid 60s, early 70s X Men like that. Oh, nice, yeah. They're Let's not see if you can get like a nice reproduction cover. Oh, that's true. I never thought of that, but you know, they were some of them were the reprints because before the all new, all different, they were reprinting, yeah. So, because X Men was not a seller. Funny how things change. Yeah, now it's like their bread and butter. Yep. Speaking of sellers, um, right now I've got Firestorm <laughs> Annual number five here. Speaking of sellers, um, I've got a couple bodies in mine. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, don't tell. Turn on brain. John Ostrander, around this time in DC, uh, he was writing Firestorm Suicide Squad. He brought, he started. This was right after DC's Legends crossover, where Darkseid and his Darkseid, his minions were turning the heroes against Earth, or turning Earth against the heroes, and he took over Firestorm. Oh, I don't know, around a year prior to this issue, and he was tying up loose ends in a way. Uh, Martin Stein, Firestorm, of course, was your average. Typical teenage hero, except that um, Firestorm is a merger of him and Professor Martin Stein from an accident. Richard had the basic control of the body. Stein was more or less a passenger who, you know, could guide him along and tell him things. Um, the floating head. Yeah, basically. Yeah. They're in Flash on Arrowverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they were in like, Legends of Tomorrow, right. where they were um, a character, but it might not. It wasn't. Uh, well, they killed off not Stein. Stein had a partner, and they killed the partner off. Right. And then, they killed off Rob. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Ron Raymond is the partner in this, who has basically control of this. Uh, the annual starts off with finishing up the previous issue where the Suicide Squad and Batman, they're all after Firestorm because 
the way the it, the way the storyline was going. So the they finished that storyline. I forget what he did actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, brain. Uh, they started playing with nuclear material in submarines because uh, Martin wanted to do something of value with his last days. So they started to uh, go and deactivate nuclears, and they told the United States and Russia, you know, you stop your nuclear programs, et cetera, et cetera. Long story short. Sure, we'll do it for you. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. So the Suicide Squad was covertly sent in. The Justice League was covertly sent in. So as as things turn out, um, Parasite gets loose again. Firestorm basically takes care of Parasite after Parasite pretty much takes down the Justice League and the Suicide Squad. And he gets a little bit of reprieve because uh, Blue Beetle has the transportation and he refuses to go after Firestorm because Firestorm's leading Parasite away from the city. So he kills, he you know, takes care of Parasite. And the middle of the story ends up with Firestorm, uh, Raymond and Stein in like an igloo in the desert. And the government is watching them. The Russian government comes in and watches him too because you know, he's a national world threat now rather. The Russians send their guy in to fight him. As they're fighting, the United States decides to nuke all of them. <laughs> uh, Stein basically dies, so they split. The Russian guy is down. The nuke goes off, and something comes out of the wreckage. And it's a whole new firestorm. Half American, half Russian. We don't know. We have no idea at this point. What they did, though, the last page... He's drawn, but he's kind of really alien looking. You know, he's he looks like he's about seven and a half feet tall. You know, he's still humanoid, but he just doesn't look like the firestorm that everyone was used to. And over the course of the next couple of years, basically, uh, you find out who the firestorm is and what happened to all these characters. And it's a whole new dynamic, which I can spoil for you if you like. I don't think at this point it's spoiler. Yeah, yeah it's history. Yeah. Um, no one has control at this point, but Firestorm is basically Ronnie and the Russian, Mikhail. Right now, they're at the begin at the end of this. They're just trying to learn what's going on because, as in the beginning, there Ronnie kind of knows what's going on. The Russian is having blackouts, which is what Stein was having at the, when Firestorm started, because Ronnie was in control of merging them, and Stein would just pass out and not know what's going on when they unmerged. So you have this and. It brings Firestorm from just your average, you know, superhero comic. He brings it into a worldwide arena because you've got the Russians trying to figure out what's going on because they know something happened. He's got crossovers with Suicide Squad, Captain Adam, someone else actually. Can't think of who it was. Oh, um, that John Ostrander was writing at the time. He did a, a crossover similar to what they just did in DC when Leviathan was it, when they broke up all the intelligence organizations oh, yeah. there was a fight between them um he did an elemental war story which brought in a water elemental an air elemental an earth elemental i think it was swamp thing actually and firestorm is the fire one so he he brought a lot of things into play his runs on this suicide squad he had great runs on the specter and martian manhunter all all around these same times so yeah, his his change for Firestorm was really drastic, and it took off pretty well. So, but gradually he learns that you know, okay, he's a hero, and they gradually can control what happens. And you find out Stein didn't die, which is kind of nice. But he's 
he's not really part of Firestorm anymore, but he can initiate a merger because he was found wandering in the desert and no one knew who he was. And Just a way to not kill them off. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to point out on the cover of this Firestorm, there's an advertisement for who watches the Watchmen. Okay, yep. Now is this can... the movie coming out? or No, the no. series. You can tell this was direct market because that who watches the Watchmen is where the barcode would normally be on the uh, cover for the newsstand edition. So DC used that as a little advertisement, which is kind of cool. Yeah, my Firestorm rambling. I just like that changeover. I just wish they would have kept... His, his got gradually back to looking like the normal Firestorm, but I wish they would have kept that kind of otherworldly look that he wasn't quite human anymore. Oh, look. hey. I mean, E. They do Lucky exist. Bastard. Yeah. Does that mean there's one here? No, that okay. was incense. Uh, as usual, you have some Pokemon in the background. <laughs> <clears throat> some other DC uh, stories I've liked. Uh, Legion of Superheroes has always been a favorite of mine. Levitz and Giffen put, took over. Um... They were just building it up really well until they hit the Great Darkness Saga, which brought Darkseid into the Legion time. He he reawoke the great six issues, and they had been building uh, up a little bit ahead of time to it. Now, was he still all-powerful, or pretty much his yeah. son now? Or? No, this was Darkseid. Okay. He was kind of, I guess you want to say, in hibernation, recuperating, whatever, for a millennia, or however long it was that he went into that. This... It ended up, of course, the Legion uh, beat him with some help, of course. but not be- their fists. Not before he destroyed Daxum, which is Monel's planet, and some other things. But then he cursed the Legion, which whoever thought of this idea should have gotten, like, royalties for life. A little while later, uh, Saturn Girl and Lightning, Lightning Lad had a child. And normally, Lightning Lad's people tend to have twins, but they just had a single child. What happened was somewhere during the childbirth or whatever, uh, agents of Darkseid took the other twin, and Darkseid hmm. molded the twin. Did they not notice? Well, I don't recall the exact details of it, of course. <laughs> I would think Saturn Girl would have got mental brainwaves of things. But anyhow, yeah. um, the kid grew up to be Validus from the Fatal Five, the big giant guy who shoots mental lightning, which is a combination of their two powers. <laughs> Whoever thought of that retcon, like I said, should have royalties for life, because that was that was brilliant, you know? It just took something that said, hey, this would make great sense, and did that. That's wild. Yep. So, that's just my little aside on that. Uh, again, great great classic story arcs, New Teen Titans, the Judas Contract. The great yes great story yes. that's like a central reading mm-hmm. yep dick grayson quit being robin wally west retired tara turned out to be a spy yeah yeah the whole nine yards wolfman and perez at their finest for that one you know both uh the animated movies mm-hmm. and the titans tv show have both had really good takes mm-hmm. on that yeah so we're we're still rolling on here um I've talked about this group in our uh, Humeta Hexter Party game show. <laughs> I can almost say that now without having a stutter. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, Children of the Alt- of the Justice Society, Infinity Inc. That's another... The first uh, story arc, the first ten issues or so, were, were pretty good. Um, they only reprinted like the first four issues plus the leading material into it. Uh, but they're the Sons and Daughters of Justice Society on Earth 2. 
you know, it's they started their own group because they felt they should be in the Justice Society, and the uh, parents said, no, not yet. Superman has a Reed Richards hairdo. Yes, he does. And why is uh, Hulk Hogan there? <laughs> That's the ultra-humanite. <laughs> um, he basically killed the Justice Society, sort of. They got better. Uh, <laughs> long, long story short, but... Um, yeah, this is another Roy Thomas, Jerry Ordway on this one. Roy Thomas was, of course, the Earth 2 person. You know, he the history of DC and things like that. And it went on pretty well until Crisis, which merged everything together. And it sort of took the wind out of the sails for this type of stuff. But, uh, yeah, it was it's a pretty good run. Um, is that the whole collection you have there, the no, 12 issues? No, this is just the first 10, which is the first storyline. It went up to, I think around 60 issues I'm thinking the mid 30s was when crisis on or infinite yeah crisis on infinite earths happened and they they carried on the best they could but they had to make some changes um, on earth 2 of course at this time Batman and Catwoman were both dead but their daughter was the huntress yes. who was in the Justice Society so I mean she couldn't be Helena Wayne anymore she was Helena Bertinelli now and that character was still the huntress but yeah, it was very, very good. Um, one of its most, I don't want to say memorable contributions, but uh, Todd McFarlane was the artist for quite a few issues and after the uh, original 12 issues or so. Known yeah. for Spawn theme. Yes. Long time Spider-Man Is that a artist. female lantern? Uh, which one? Yes, that's, that's Jade. Uh, Jade and Obsidian are brother and sister. Sons and daughters of Alan Scott. Green Lantern. Before he was gay. Before he was gay, yes. Um, unknown sons and daughters to him, uh, not to his wife, <laughs> because a villainess seduced him. And Villainesses are rather seductive. Yes, yes. That was, a, that was a pretty big plot point coming into this. Who were there? You know, because he had no knowledge of them being his kids, and that was one of the mysteries. You know, well... You know, he's got darkness powers. She's got green powers without a ring. So, so that's how that works. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was wasn't one of those rings you wear on your finger. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. Yeah. See, we're getting into stuff you guys never heard of now. Whoops. Hooray! 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 It's fine. It's a good lesson. Like uh, I'm enjoying this. I'm not sure what year this was. This was the 2000s. Okay. Midnight Nation. Uh, coming off of, I know you're going to hate this, Babylon 5. Oh, goodness. J. Michael Straczynski um, got some comic contracts with Top Cow. You might not have heard of them. No, I actually oh, yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. I have the the Witchblade and the, oh, they were Witchblade. That's right. the okay. Darkness uh, okay. omnibuses. Gotcha. So he had another number... <laughs> he had a number Blame. of comics at the time uh, Rising Stars uh, forgive me I don't remember the plot starting but basically everyone in this town was getting superpowers of sorts one of the more interesting things I'm just going to go on a little aside here was that this one gal didn't get any superpowers and they were in a restaurant you know, her and someone else discussing this and a bird died outside the restaurant and unknowingly she brought it back to life uh, so you know powers of the green this wasn't well, a ring right no like, this no was just this was green. yeah okay so i mean 
some people got powers that you would never know what they were unless the circumstances were something which was interesting it lasted i think it was a 12 issue series again but you know it had its moments not something that like i said i don't remember specifics with it so rising stars seemed to have gotten more of the publicity because it was superhero orientated uh, my favorite was midnight nation another one of his books uh, it was a 12 issue limited series uh, again around year 2000 a police officer got his soul stolen basically and it's a walk across America to try to find it back um, you know where do the people who drop through the cracks go basically he's teamed up for lack of a better word with someone who has been through this before and it's got a lot of the kind typical of ghost rider could be uh, Neil Gaiman does the same type thing in Neverwhere yeah. you know they fall through the cracks and he's in London below but it's just more across the story of uh, of him just traversing America it's got the standard Joe stuff which uh, you'll see a scene don't know that it means something else entirely till you get to the end of the book where you see it again from a different perspective he does that a lot in, in some of his work so but Midnight Nation is a really good good read it's kind of a makes you think a little bit type deal too so um, I how long did that go on for 12 issues it was a miniseries okay um his I, I think that was referenced in oh the darkness because jackie estacado had to bring back a soul mm. at some point from hell because jackie estacado could go back and forth from hell mm. i don't know I mean, it's a standard thing pretty much you know but yeah it, he's a he's a very good storyteller so yeah you're looking at these guys we'll save these a little bit later here. <laughs> Um, another thing I like to talk about, Mage. I've mentioned that before. Yes. Um, my favorite was the first 15 issues. You know, again, this is Arthurian legend. Um, Some swords and sorcery. Yeah, with a baseball bat instead of a sword for the most <laughs> part. Um, Kevin Matchstick runs across a mage who basically changes his life because Kevin is the Pendragon reincarnation of King Arthur it's a good story um, they're on the hunt for someone called the Fisher King to find him before the evil be the evil bad guys find him so dry sand yeah and this was just wrapped up in the last few years right um, this was I'm trying to see if it tells me real quick what the original it looks late 80s early 90s 1984. So he's done three series of Mage. Um, they're all 15 issues each, and he just recently wrapped up the last of the trilogy. Comico, another company you might not have heard of. Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, is the last one still under that banner, or is it under... I don't recall offhand what it is. Probably not. I don't think the company's existing anymore. Um, <clears throat> okay, we'll get to this one now. American Flag. This was from <laughs> First Comics. It's the year uh, 300, 300, it's the 300th anniversary of America. Hey, that's like coming up. Yeah, things are not all good um, in some respect. Uh, this was a comic by Howard Chaikin. He wrote and drew this for the first uh, 12 issues. Uh, he set them, the first 12 issues are, are three sets of, yeah, I can't talk tonight, sorry. Four sets of three stories. 
which build up to the last one. He's a ranger, basically. You know, I really can't describe it, except it's really good. Um, he's a very stylized artist. Lots of 1920s type, yeah, the very stylized people. You'd like her, Corey. Oh, she looks like I'd like her. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's, it's very intricately plotted, and it's worth the time to, to sit down and read them. Uh, the first arc, uh, she looks like some kind of coked up disco prostitute. Yeah, I mean, he, it's very stylized and... Wait, what? Sluts? No, yeah, all right. White sluts on dope. Cool. So. <laughs> That's my new band name. <laughs> Did they have some thing with DC? Because I noticed that there's a Superman advertisement in here. No, that was a distributor. Uh, Glenwood Distributors. There's advertisements from places where you can, you know, send away four comics before comic shops were really... Nowadays, you wouldn't see other manufacturers um, advertising. Yeah. Well, if it's a distributor, they're using whatever. Yeah, they're using other imagery. They're not just promoting yeah. Superman or whatever. But uh, there. yeah, that uh, flag was. Like I said the first twelve issues formed a major storyline. The next two were kind of a character study and some explanation about one of the characters in that. Uh, Chaikin wrote it, but I'm sure he had his reasons for picking the person who drew them, but to me they were terrible. <laughs> was it John Romita Jr.? No. no. <laughs> it's just the art was so glaringly different than what he was doing. It just was very offsetting. But, uh, yeah, it was a very good, very good story. Great shadow detail on the cover mm -hmm. art. Oh, yeah, he's... And if I recall, Chaikin drew the first Star Wars issue for Marvel, which was the first of the six-part adaptation of the original movie. Oh, nice. So... Well, I, that artwork does look like those comics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like a lot. Yep. <clears throat> Judge Dredd advertisement on the back cover. Next, we're leading into some uh, Warren Ellis stuff. He took over Image's Stormwatch... And after uh, what Jim Lee and who started that? I'm not sure offhand. Jim Lee was the creator, I forget yeah. who wrote for it, mm -hmm. but he was the creator in pencils. But um, he systematically in his run uh, started bringing in new characters, getting rid of some of the older ones. He retired a few of them. He was on it for a year and a half, maybe two years um, before he brought it all to an end and killed off most of the team <laughs> and brought in some you know some other members throughout the issue and started a new book called The Authority which the first 12 issues are just unbelievable because he goes from one big battle to another with these seven people who used to be at the end of his Stormwatch run, the three who were there walk into a mysteriously glowing door saying someone has to save the world. Yeah, so, and that's what happens. Alien invasions, there's invasions by a crazy guy who kind of looks like uh, the Mandarin from Marvel. Ming the Merciless. But, uh, yeah, this, another very highly recommended. Um, this was Ellis and Hitch, 
this the book was basically known as for widescreen violence. It lives up to that. These seven people are very dangerous. Uh, Apollo and the Midnighter, Jenny Sparks, and so it is a very good book if you want something graphic, to read. Graphic novel. Yeah, for the most part. <laughs> what banner was this under? This was Image at the time. Wildstorm DC. Or wild, was, yeah, Wildstorm. I'm sorry, not Image. Because when Jim Lee was Wildstorm. That's right. Yeah. My, my mistake. My Wildstorm mistake. deteriorated and went into yeah. DC. And with the new 52, they brought back Stormwatch with the Martian Manhunter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was actually really good. Did you get a chance to read? I no. know you didn't do new 52, no. but you should take a look mm-hmm. at that one. It was surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. A couple good crossovers in there, too. Now, this book actually dovetails a bit into another Warren Ellis book. This was Warren Ellis and John Cassidy, Planetary. Uh, this was a... 24-issue series, I believe. I like the art. Yeah, John Cassidy has great, great artwork. Yeah, he worked with a lot of good people, Warren Ellis. Um, Basically, it starts off as a mystery. There's a man in the desert, and, you know, for the life of me, my brain... Just, there you go, Elijah Snow. He's approached by a young woman who wants to recruit him to this organization called Planetary who are basically archaeologists of the strange and different. They manage to, you know, get him interested enough, and uh, they're architects of, archaeologists of that stuff. They, uh, the first issue, they find some sort of anomalous reading, um, looking for a Dr. Axel Brass is the name. And as it turns out, him and his organization created a computer of sorts, a quantum brain, they called it, which uh, represented itself as a giant snowflake, which was the multiverse. And you know that they can every rotation makes a new Earth, and it's really like wow stuff. And um, they realized the code of this thing, and they can do anything they wanted to to try to save the planet. So they were eliminating other Earths and multiverses, and one of them realized what was going on. And came over and fought them. Do they look familiar? Uh, it's the Justice, Justice League. League of another another Earth. Yeah, that's what he did with this book. He took instead of a Green Lantern, it looks like he's got a gauntlet instead of a ring. Huh. He took other comic characters basically, and did homages to them. There was a special with the one that was representative of the Hulk, and throughout the book. You know, you get this mystery because Elijah Snow doesn't really know who he is either at this point. Um, you find out there's a group called the Four who have been running the world, basically, in shadows as they went into the multiverse and came out different. It goes through the mystery through trying to stop the Four. Another really, really good, good read, this whole planetary. They did have a... Uh, planetary batman special afterwards uh, cool. which is kind of neat this sounds almost like a horror it's all different genres it really is the hulk one was because the end basically he was he was trapped in a giant pit and lasted like 83 years without food and water before he died now was that the skeleton of an angel I towards the beginning know. no don't know like an angel skeleton it like could a skeleton have been with wings could have been um 
I'm still going on. Hope everyone's not too bored. <laughs> I'm just learning. <laughs> Another You've one of seen my... the Simpsons episode with the... They find the angel skeleton. Yeah. The end is near. The, the end, end of high prices. <laughs> <laughs> Great savings uh, below. Uh, uh -oh. It was an advertisement for the new mall. Ah, uh, gotcha. Um, a writer artist I like to follow is um, Phil Foglio. He's not known for a lot of his work in DC. He, I think, he normally did that. He's more of a, I don't know, the art's more comically. He's he tends to lean towards that stuff. Um, but he's gotten some of his own characters. One was um, Buck Godot, Zap Gun for Hire, hmm. and this is Starblaze Graphics. He did a lot of D and D comics too, like one-page comics and things like that. He did a run with Batman too, didn't he? The Stone Jaw. Uh, that I don't know, but I mean his his artwork is more you know not comicy, but those are the characters that tend to be more marshmallow. Yeah, that's that's a good term. Yeah, I'm looking at the collection here. Cy Smith. There's one called the Gallimaufry, which is really good. It's an eight issue mystery, basically. Um, he's a as I said, Zap Gun for Hire. He's a detective, basically, <laughs> in a science fiction setting. Lots of weird aliens. The Winslow. Right now, he's doing web comic called Girl Genius, which. Um, He's been doing it for quite some time at this point. There's at least 20 volumes collected now. Each year he, they collect it. Uh, that's a basically steampunk with mad scientists. Oh, very so, cool. I'll look into that. Yeah. So that's another one I just... That's, that's probably been the only comic I've actually been following in the past five years. It's published every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you know, it does a page a day, or page three pages a week. You know, wow. So pretty cool stuff. Um, we talked about Sandman earlier. Neil Gaiman started off the character basically uh, in the DC universe. You know, the first arc had a Justice League cameo in, well, an issue with the Justice League, but in a very different style than what people were normally used to. There have been, I want to say, about 10 story arcs. Uh, they're usually six or seven issues apiece, with one issue as like a breather issue in the middle that ties into it, but isn't quite in the middle of the plot. And different artists basically on each each arc. Uh, it's Sandman. He's the Lord of the Dreams, Dream Realm. All sorts of interesting arcs that he has. We Basically, Sandman is one of the endless, which is death, despair. It's a family of seven. It's very good. It's very deep. <laughs> Not... Not something you read in an afternoon, you know. But is it dark? It's dark. <laughs> dark, Some dark. of it can be dark, dark. Uh, basically, someone was performing a ritual because he wanted to get death and be immortal. Instead, he got Morpheus, the Sandman, and had him trapped for 70-something years. And this is what happens when he gets out. Did I read this one? You may have. But, I mean, it's that very... That sounds familiar. Does it have, like, a whole, like, World War Two thing where he's... Uh... He actually looks like the original DC Sandman. He in the might gas have at one time. Stuff. Yeah. Well, he has a gas mask that's very similar to to that. But um, I've never heard of this character in the DC. Oh well. Uh, Requiem is a great uh, graphic novel for Sandman. Um, a little girl is born into the realm. She is Hope, I think. I never read the Requiem one. I. But, uh, yeah, it's 
I don't know if it was the intention at the beginning, but it builds up into his replacement at the end. Oh, yeah. So it's it's Neil Gaiman. It's very good. <laughs> um, next we have, speaking of very good, Grant Morrison, who, with the Doom Patrol and Animal Man, he kind of made his way into DC Legends. Um, Doom Patrol, very similar to what you're seeing on TV without all the swearing. <laughs> um, but he's got and a... Last been, breasts. Yeah. There's been a couple of collections, and he introduced Crazy Jane and a couple other ones, but still has a few of the original Doom Patrol in it. But this and Sandman, they were probably the books, along with Fables, made it for Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Um, Doom Patrol is just pure chaos, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. It's just very, very weird concepts, you know, and that's kind of the neat thing about it. He would just do something very odd, and it's made perfect sense within the... Uh, within the funds. books, so um, it's funny that that's Vertigo. Well, I think the first twenty issues were just regular, and then issue twenty-one with Morrison became Vertigo. I think that's what it was. But I may be kind of vague on some of these things because it's been a while since I've read these, <laughs> um, and they're from like the eighties and the nineties. So you know, I just have general recollections of some of the details and everything. Um, another one here. We're getting close to the end, folks. Oh, no. Uh, Camelot 3000. Uh, this was DC. This was the first maxi-series. <laughs> and he shows it to the mic again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm showing it to you, Peter. And now I'm showing it to Corey. Oh, and here's for the listeners at home. <laughs> uh, Camelot 3000, the year 3000. Earth has been fighting an alien invasion. And King Just Arthur... in relation to Andre 3000. I have no idea who that is, so... Neener, neener, neener. <laughs> King Arthur gets awakened, helps fight the knights, or helps fight the aliens, and gets his knights together at the round table. You know, it was the first mini, or first maxi-series. Uh, it was the first Baxter-printed, as opposed to newsprint comic, hmm. Hmm. on Baxter paper. Um, it also has the uh, distinction of starting in, let's see... Now, Baxter paper is the oil resin paper, right? Yeah, the very, like... Glossy. Glossy, yeah. I'm not sure if this is Baxter or not. It doesn't feel like newsprint, but it could be a combination. But anyhow, um, had the distinction of 12 issues starting in 1982 and finishing in 1985. Wow. Um, I don't remember if it was the last three issues that had the delays, but between 11 and 12, it was a horrendous delay. <laughs> so... Um, but another good story, you know. It's. Did you ever find out why there was the delay? I've been looking and I don't. Re- I don't remember. And I've been looking and I can't find anything about it. But I didn't look real hard right now, so <laughs> too much other stuff to prepare for. Sorry. No, it's fine. It's. But yeah, it's the Arthurian legend. Arthurian, Arthurian legend with a couple of interesting twists, because the knights are all being reincarnated and. It's a hell of an ensemble cast mm-hmm. there. Brian Boland, great artist. Uh, the book, I think, was shopped around at DC. They rejected it, rejected it at Marvel, and DC eventually picked it up. But, yeah, for for the Baxter you know, paper in the first maxi-series, it was 12 great issues. Hmm. And now we're coming to the one book you guys would keep looking at, because I do have the first issue here. Hmm. Uh, this is called Normal Man by Aardvark Vanaheim. They're the ones who brought Cerebus the Ardivark. 
This was also way back when. This was 1983. Uh, Valentino was the artist. I don't remember what he went by. He went by that. I don't remember what his first name is. Um, it was basically a very loving parody of just about every comic on the market. <laughs> um, the first issue basically was a Superman issue because launching a baby it's launching the baby into space. Is the art on the cover the art through the whole comic? Panties and Kind of like this. Yeah, this is his, his style. It's a cartoony style, but it has some comic realism to it. I'll put it that way. But no one is safe. He skewers just about everything. Um, each cover is a different style. He's got ones of, like, the Spirit. He's got Archie covers. He's got, like, Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commando cover. Um, if you look up the covers, they're, some, they're hysterical. But I'm going to read the blurb here from our friends at Wikipedia. Uh, limited series, Jim Valentino. Okay, sorry. Started as a four-page story in Cerebus before being launched into a 12-color issue series. Spoofs comic book companies including DC, Marvel, EC, Harvey, as well as doing parodies of The Spirit, ElfQuest, Asterisk, Star Wars, and The Wizard of Oz. The book is basically, on the planet Arnold, a junior CPA has come to the conclusion that Arnold would explode in eight hours. In a take on the origin of Superman, the junior CPA built a rocket ship to launch his infant son into deep space. No sooner had he done so, however, than he discovered that Arnold was not going to explode after all, leading his enraged wife to murder him. Twenty years later, the rocket carrying the now-grown baby ends up crashing into an Earth-like planet called Levrum, Marvel spelled backwards, Populated entirely by superpowered people, because he had no superpowers of any kind, the locals dubbed him Normal Man. Most of the superpowered inhabitants were disposed to violence, fight scenes, and Normal Man sought the way to leave for good and return to Arnold. His allies in this endeavor were the impossibly powerful but cheerfully dim-witted Captain Everything, a spoof of <laughs> Superman and Mighty Mouse, and the battle-ready Sergeant Fluffy, agent of Schmuck, <laughs> which stood for nothing in particular and the beautiful, sophisticated lady who had come to love his life. Normal Man gave an enemy in the ultra-conservative who saw him as a threat to Leverum's status quo. <laughs> and so it's... It was it's a good you know, good story and everything. And like I said, the covers were... You're looking at some of them. That's... Uh, um, the middle is Archie, of course. Yeah. The last one is American Flag. Yeah. Which goes to how popular that was at the time. I had a 3D annual, which I think wrapped up the story, if I'm not mistaken. There were 12 issues. This is the entire collection. We found it on mm -hmm. eBay here. $28 mm -hmm. for the whole set. Which is not bad. They still have in print a black and white edition of the whole thing. There's Richie Rich right there, or Scrooge McDuck, whichever yeah. one there. ElfQuest is there. Tales from the Crypt. Crypt. Spider-Man. Uh, that's the, the spirit at the top. Man. Cerebus is the first one. I think Asterisk is the second one. You know, and the, the parody covers. But one of the most hysterical things about this whole thing, every issue had a little bit more of the roll call of the Legion of Superfluous Heroes. <laughs> they couldn't do anything without doing their roll call first. And usually it was just like a page or, you know, half a page. Um, the roll call starts with Ambiguous Boy, Ample Lass, and Androgynous Person. <laughs> and it just goes throughout the whole series. Another good, you know, at the time, something totally different. I think I have one last one. Which, if you asked me about it, I really couldn't tell you that much about it. It's called <laughs> Mazing Man. 
It was Bob Rakat Rosakis, who was an editor at DC, and Stephen DeStefano, who you might see in credits of animated shows. Uh, Twelve issues in 1986, three different specials afterwards. Uh, the Amazing Man series depicts the misadventures of Siegfried Horatio Hutch III, a benignly deranged little man in Queens, New York City, New York, who dresses in a homemade costume and performs deeds like unclogging drains and watching out for local children. Viewed as a harmless kook by his neighbors, he saves a child from being hit by a truck in the first issue, earning him some respect and notoriety, not to mention a steady stream of appreciation and food from the mother in subsequent issues. Um, it's just basically a little slice-of-life thing about him and his group of of friends. I could honestly not tell you any of the stories, but I remember really liking <laughs> it, and I couldn't find it. So it must be in one of my long boxes, which are buried. Frank Miller did a cover, did part of the cover for the last issue of uh, The Dark Knight Returns on the cover of Amazing oh, yeah, Man. That's Amazing Man right Because Frank Miller liked the comic and it gave him it gave a boost in sales that they did the three specials. Huh. So um it's just another thing that, you know, I remember like I said, I can't remember anything about the issues, but I really liked it. It it was kind of a mild series, you know, very give you the warm fuzzies. Yeah. Speaking of warm and fuzzies, hi pup. Um <laughs> That's about it for right now. I'm sure there are so many other ones I just have forgotten. That's my overview right now. Corey, would you like to talk about Spider-Man? I would like to talk about Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> the toad is empty. Oh, my God. As if, uh, if we're talking about our favorite comics, I, of course, have to talk about Spider-Man. Um, but this is going to go opposite of Warm and Fuzzy. This, this story is not that. It's dark. It's, uh, it's dark, a little dark. It's, it focuses on rape and some incestu incestuous rape. So, uh, Spider-Man... These and... are a few of my favorite things. There you go. <laughs> but uh, Spider-Man teams up with Black Cat, and she is one of my favorite things. Uh, investigating some heroin overdose and uh, find this duo of brothers who uh, are dealing the heroin one is being forced to it turns out that he had been raped by his brother who's running the heroin ring and forced into doing this they're both mutants he can teleport and uh, their clientele is looking to shoot heroin without needle tracks so he teleports the heroin into them you both ways. So Spider-Man, yeah, Spider-Man and Black Cat find this out, there's a fight, uh, Black Cat reveals that uh, she had been raped in college, ends with the uh, brother who was being bullied teleporting himself into his brother and exploding him from the in inside out. Was this, the, the Black Cat rape thing, was this one of Marvel's PSAs? No, no, this was Kevin Smith writing. Um... Speaking is it of the evil of men do that the men, evil do? That men do? Okay, I remember. Uh, speaking he wrote of that. delayed series, he started the series in 2002, wrote the first three issues, and then it wasn't until 2005 that he wrote the last three issues. Um, it was one of those uh, really kind of off certain Spider-Man stories, uh, dealing with you know real life issues, I guess. But, um, great read. I had the hardcover twice. I believe Kevin Smith stole the first one. 
I had uh, gone to Smodcast when it was on tour. It was Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier, and they opened with uh, Tell Em Steve Dave, which are the guys from Comic Book Men doing their podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, went to see them and took a copy of my hardcover cover, Evil That Men Do for Kevin Smith to sign. Well, I waited till after the show and uh, talked to Brian Quinn, Q, from Impractical Jokers. Yeah. About uh, getting Kevin to sign it. Well, he checks out, and uh, Kevin's bus has already gone back to the hotel. But uh, Ming Chen and Brian Johnson, who run the secret stash, the you know the comic book men mm-hmm. were still there. So Q sends me up to talk to Brian. So I talked to Brian for a while. He says, "Yeah, he's back at the hotel already." ready but leave it with me leave your email and your address and I'll make sure this gets back to you so I leave him my email you know my name my email address my address and I never see that book again so what we really need to do is we need to get to a point where we can get Kevin Smith Kevin to be Smith. a guest on yeah. the show <laughs> I'm going to ask him where's my comic book but the joke's on him I bought a second one yeah <laughs> No, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure it never showed up, or it ended up in the uh, secret stash's inventory and got sold, and somebody opened it and it's like, "What's this sheet of paper with some random dude's address and email?" Well, maybe this random dude was looking for like someone, a brother or something. It probably no. got put in one of the boxes of equipment, yeah, podcasting equipment, and. They got to the next show and they gave it to some random person. <laughs> Honestly. Right. It was the prize at Comic-Con 1941, yeah. <laughs> you know. Comes with the random guy's email address and ad- physical address. But I never saw it again. Oh. So that was my Kevin Smith steals my comic book story. <laughs> 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 Not that I even think Kevin even ever saw it. So email Kevin Smith. Yeah, so... yeah. Uh, Kev, if you're listening. You owe me a book, man. Yeah. <clears throat> I want it signed this time. <laughs> but I like the story so much, I bought a second one. It took me probably two years to find another hardcover of it. Wow. I bet you can get a signed one on eBay with some random probably dude's can. address in it. Probably can. <laughs> yeah, send it to the address in it. <laughs> in it, yes. <laughs> Uh, so that's your number one best favorite that, comic? Uh, well, I don't actually have a number one. These are just favorite comics. Yeah. About my number one favorite comic. Uh, another great series uh, that was uh, collected like that, uh, Torment. And this is a series that Kurt Connors kind of loses his mind as the lizard and eats his own son. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Craig uh, speaks from experience. Right. <laughs> it gets Frank easier after saying, that. I yeah. have no children. I didn't say I had no children. <laughs> <laughs> I hear at a certain age they cook like a ham. Yeah. <laughs> Just throw them in the oven. Have a bucket like, of children, finger yeah. licking good. Let them roast at 325 overnight. We have an inappropriate sense of humor. (laughs) If you haven't noticed that already. 
<laughs> this is episode 24. Spoiler alert! Right. <laughs> um, but Kevin Smith has written some great series. Uh, Batman's Cacophony. He introduces the villain Baphomet, the guy wearing the ram's head mask. Stirred up controversy because he has Batman wet himself. He blows open the door to some place using whatever explosives. Bat explosives. Con- yeah. Bat four. Bat. Bat four. But the uh, concussion from the blast makes him pee himself a little bit. And people just raised hell because Batman can't be peeing himself. Well, that might have but, just been bat lube from the costume. It could have been, yeah. All the way back to episode one, folks. <laughs> you get quality here. Yes, you do. <laughs> I can't remember what I had for breakfast, but occasionally I'll remember that. Well, who can forget bat lube? I'm desperately trying to. <laughs> the question is, do his thighs change? I could have squeezed up from his thighs. you got to have the pouch of bat lube somewhere. Yeah, yeah a little bit on the nipples. <laughs> but back to people blowing up. Oh, um... I think we're past that. Those people didn't blow up at all. Oh, okay. Just the concussion. Yeah, just the concussion. Yeah, happened. So he blew open the door and peed himself a little bit. But uh, I think uh, Walt Flanagan, the guy from uh, Comic Book Man and the Secret Stash, he did the artwork (coughs) on Cacophony. Uh, They they did their own comic. um, I think it was Crypto Man that he chased after cryptids. like, it was a good book, but all produced, you know, uh, View Yeah. It was all Brian Johnson and Walt Flanagan. Tell them, Steve, Dave, guys, from Mallrats. Uh, and obviously, I know Green Hornet's up there for Green you, Green Hornet was great. It was uh, his <clears throat> run on Green Hornet. Uh, this was a modernization of the character, the original Green Hornet's son. The Green Hornet being a millionaire, billionaire then. Uh, of course, left everything to his son, and his son's, you know, a drunken playboy. Really? A drunken playboy with green in their name? Yeah. Huh. Wow. That wears a mask <laughs> and fights crime. Huh. <laughs> Astonishing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Green Hornet really needed to get together with the Green Arrow, and I don't know, Green Lantern, he was just too goody. Well, it is Will. Until whatever. he went nuts and... Put 19 rings on his fingers and... Yeah, murdered planets. There you go. The Green Lanterns had their dark days. <laughs> yes. Their dark days. Dark, 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 dark days. days. And then there's the dark, darkest day. <laughs> dark, darkest night. Darkest dark night. <laughs> You'll notice most of mine look like they haven't been touched, and that's probably true, because a lot of times I would just buy them because I liked like the collection and still read the single issues. You know, I haven't done it in a while, but I would just read through all my Avengers issues, you know, and stuff like that. But How long would it take you to read through all of your Avengers? I don't know. Let's see. I started with, what did I say, around, I think actually that one, These Who Lay Dying, was the first one I got. <laughs> so I got the last issue of the Korvax saga, not knowing what the hell was going on. But I gradually got all the back issues up to maybe the, in the 50s. Wow. Yeah. It would take a while. You haven't. You've only said one Spider-Man. No, two. Torment. Yeah. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Which was uh, Todd McFarlane was the artist mm-hmm. on that one. Yep. Uh, one of his uh, 
best known Spider-Man covers. I just expected Maximum Carnage to be the first thing out of your mouth. I like the villain ones, but you know, Spider-Man's are the favorites. The Maximum Carnage is a classic. I think everybody yeah, can agree yeah. with that. Carnage USA, though, <clears throat> is a terror masterpiece. Uh, Carnage <laughs> uh, starts off slaughtering all the cows in a herd so he can gain mass, so he can infect an entire town. That's Maximum. Yeah, well, he kills little kids and then animates their corpses with Carnage symbiote and has them kill. Wow. (laughs) That's a cheerful read for a a, sunny afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if stuff like that's going to happen under the Disney banner. I don't know, because even... uh, this last one, Absolute Carnage. It was already written when they bought. Oh. Uh, think about it. I mean, how long are these storyboards pushed out for? I, I think what you're going to see under the Disney banner is definitely, well, who knows nowadays, but I think it would have been uh, pushing more of the female, young, teen hero type, type archetype. Because, you know... Because he doesn't like young female <laughs> teens? Right, think, but you know, let's. I think they've got their female representation at this point, though. They've got yeah. Spider Gwen, they've yeah. got Captain Marvel, like they've got their core wheelhouse. Yeah, Miss Marvel, but Ms. Marvel, Ms. Marvel, yeah. yeah, Kamala Khan, but but she's you know, hospitalized right now. Disney is pushing, you know the. They've got the boys wrapped up, you know. They just put out one adventure movie, and it's, the boys go nuts. They they still have to try to get the female market. And granted, yeah, they're doing <laughs> Ms. That. Marvel. Yeah. Um, well, no, sorry, Captain yeah. Marvel. A Force. Yeah. You know, they they want to try to tap into that female market because, you know, like I said, the Black young Widow. boy market they can do yeah. in their sleep. You know, a lot of the Pixar movies are, you know, in a way, you know, the Cars mm. movies and things but, like that. Mm. But they want to get an even market share. Yeah, but <clears throat> looking at Disney as a whole. And I, we should really have this, like, actual conversation sometime. But, I mean, you've got Frozen, you've got Tangled, you've got... Right, they're, yeah. they are moving in that direction <laughs> yeah. with the yeah. female heroes as... I don't as see them getting too aggressive but with you that think in with Marvel, the, you know, like They but will. that's like a young girls. Um, adol- or, yeah, adolescent? I don't know. Yeah. Tweens? No, not even that before... I don't know. I don't know. Whatever you call it. Pre-adolescent? Yeah, there you go. We'll just go. <laughs> but, uh, you know, with it Frozen and, you know, Tangled and all that kind of appeals to them. But they don't have any, I guess, the teen, tween girls. Yeah. I mean, you got to are... look at it. They look at each market share, you know. This is boys age, you know, 5 to 12. This is boys 12 to 19. This is 20 and older. Right. And, you know, if one of those demographics is down, they're going to gear towards that. And I think, you know, pretty much consistently, like with comics, a female lead never really because took girls off. Because don't read comics. Right. So right. They're, <laughs> but, they're, but they're trying to, you know, that's a market they yeah. need to do. We I mean, need to get them. We need to put out cool comics. They did them. the Princess Leia in yeah. Star Wars, and that thing was a flop. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you can't force some of this stuff. It has to come naturally. Well, they and they're think just trying that to force there's, it. you know, nothing in the market for them. Mm-hmm. But in reality, is they're not in the market for it. Right. <laughs> I don't know. They're not looking to sit down and read comic books. That's not a girl. I can see them gearing some movies 
towards a more <clears throat> female centric market. Mm-hmm. But the, di- the if the, they could make the movies <clears throat> in TikTok format, <laughs> the Marvel movies right now, I think when you look at Hulk and Captain or Iron Man and those early ones, mm-hmm. they were guy punch him in the face action yeah. movies. Yeah, but about Phase Two. They turned into date night movies. You had the accelerated romance between Tony and Pepper. You had the uh, Black Widow playing with every member of the Avengers. You had the Peggy Carter, yeah. Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Thor, Jane Foster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They went to the relationships mostly that were in the comics. But... Yeah, but you're an MJ. <laughs> but, like you said, that's... That could take a whole another hour on the podcast. Yeah, where the raw file data right now is at an hour thirty. So, <laughs> and most of that is me, which I apologize for. <clears throat> Do you have any other comics you'd like to talk about, Corey? Before we end this? Oh no, we can wrap these up some okay. other time because there's loads. We're gonna have to do a volume two. Like that, yeah. that's cut and dry. We will do a, a volume two. Expect that in the 30s. As always, find the link for our Discord in the description below. Uh, Lots of interesting stuff. We put some of Frank's comic book covers up on our Discord. Maybe if Frank has time, he can put some more up later. Um, Visit us on Facebook. Uh, Check out the articles, links to our webcasts. Yep. Uh, Something interesting just happened on Discord the other day, and I don't remember what it was. If you're a member of Discord, you already know what happened. So yeah, wear your Frostwalker boots. Yeah, big announcement for next week's twenty-five episodes Ooh, of Humeta Hex, our silver anniversary. <clears throat> That's right. And you know what? Our topic is going to blow your mind, and it'll probably blow ours as soon as we figure out what we're going to talk <laughs> about. So we're as- trying to come up with something significant. If you got suggestions for it, what do you yes. want to hear from this? Oh, by the time milestone. they hear this, we'll have already recorded it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let us know two weeks ago yeah. what you wanted us to talk about. Listen to this before we put it out. Yes. <laughs> we'll just spend an hour talking about Mega Man. <laughs> I played one of those games once. Oh, right. well. That's a whole conversation, because <laughs> I almost just dropped $60. No, not 60 $100 on every Ooh. single Mega Man that was ever made the other day. Nice. Yeah. Is it something you can buy on Switch? Yes. Ah. You can get the Mega Man Collection 1 and 2, Mega Man 9, which I already have for the Switch, Mega Man X Collection 1 and 2, these are all $15, $30 a piece. And then the Mega Man XY Collection 1 and 2, which is all the <laughs> offshoot ones. The Actually, the only ones that I wouldn't have been able to get are the Mega Man Legends, which is 1 and 2. They never put the third one out. Anyway, Bye. so <laughs> we got to go. You all have a fantastic weekend. Bye.